This is Derek McGaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, January 21st, 2015, and uh, we do, of course, mention this is uh, after 7 p.m., so uh, anything that happens on the 22nd or even after 9.30 p.m. on January 21st, we are not responsible for the news here. This is all everything that's happened up till then. Uh, of course, a fabulous announcer who was able to make Sounds only a dog can hear. Our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa. And across from me, literal host, because we are here at the Brett Cave, and our podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. Wait, let me start over. No, okay. that, was, that was a political commentary. Okay, what? so. Oh, oh, you missed that. Thank you, Mario. <laughs> Ted. Oh, it's Ted. Oh, that's right. <laughs> anyway. I can't remember who said what stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mario. Mario Rubio. Marco Rubio. Marco. You were playing Nintendo through while politics were happening. Good heavens. We've got some comics news. We've got some movie news. We've got some TV news. And uh, we do have a special guest tonight a little later. We're going to talk to Jay Hartlove, who has uh, a musical of fantasy stage production. He And how else to describe it? Uh, sequel that he wants to talk about tonight. But that let, you, audience, can be a part of. That's true, because we're... He's still kickstarting it. Uh, we are going to talk comics first, and I'd say the biggest news of the day, of the week, was... Maybe the year so far. Well, yeah, it's early. Uh, the confirmation of stuff that we've actually, we've been hypothesizing about for quite some time was that Marvel officially, I love that the headlines go this way, Marvel announces Secret Wars. We have known for months that Secret Wars was coming. Yes. We have known for at least two that there was this thing called Battle World coming. But because they had a press conference to explain it to the New York Mr. Times. Mr. Brevoort had not told us yet. And so that Uproxx could pick it up, <coughs> that uh, The Verge could pick it up, uh, and that CNN could run something and say, oh, my God, they're killing Spider-Man. They're making toys. Yeah, which is literally which is what's true. happening, <laughs> yes, uh, is that they did have a press conference yesterday to talk about Secret Wars, and the Marvel Universe, as we know it, is ending. What was the mood at Earth 2 Comics last night, Nate? Did you get over there? I did. Uh, no. Okay. I went. When did I go? I went on Monday. Well, we wouldn't have known that because the press conference was yesterday. So, oh, well, was there a lot of anticipation? Was electricity in the air, a feeling of the world about to come to an end? Not at all. Nah. No, no anticipation whatsoever. No, no, exactly not. Uh, I did uh, hear from Chris Culler, who said, uh, who uh, is a manager at, at Earth Two Comics in Northridge, who was sort of kind of had the reaction of, "Well, that's it. The stories I've known and loved, 
I'm thinking back to something Michael Goodson once said is, you know, um, the stories you knew and loved still exist. Yeah. You know, you can go back and reread that trade paperback and be like a kid again and go back to the same. It's, it's even better. It's the same thing. Stephen King says the same thing. When there's no new continuity. No, you know, that you're Batman. Stephen King doesn't talk about his Batman, but no, says, no. you know, the book's still up there on the shelf. They yeah, mess up the adaptation. King says, says, if you don't but like when I'm saying when you're a comics reader, if you don't like what's happened in the continuity or that they're rebooting, your version still exists. There's just no new stories of it. And that's okay because, good Lord, like if you're a Batman fan, that's a crap ton. If you're a Spider-Man fan, let's face it. From 1961, yeah. uh, you know, you've got 53 years 54 years worth of backstory that still... That the average person probably hasn't read the first time. Well, and it's actually almost better because then your favorite story can't be ruined by, for example, the Clone Saga. Which, unfortunately, it was, but yet. (laughs) Or from... I mean, if you're a big uh, Incredible Hulk fan, you can just ignore the entire run that Bruce Jones had. And you do. (laughs) (laughs) How are you feeling about the Red Hulk? Uh, you could also ignore that. Yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, well, actually, if I understood correctly what they said, is that this event, the time runs out, and uh, that the Marvel Earth and the Ultimate uh, Marvel Universe 616 and the Ultimate Universe are going to collide because that's what's been happening in Hick- Hickman's run. Out of the survivors will be this battle world. Multiple universes yeah. have collided. Right. Okay. So, so that there will be this one world that has reality as pieces of all these different multi multiple universes and they're going to have a big fight and then when it's all over the ultimate universe or the ultimate marvel earth let's say that and the the earth 616 will uh coexist essentially as one world so miles morales as we've also known was coming is going to be on the regular marvel earth yeah and because that's all there will be so the thing is it's not it's not a reboot in the way that DC has done four or five times. No, it's actually it's actually not a reboot at all. It's a continuing story, and this is explaining. How dare you make this complex? No, it's not not com- <laughs> it's no more complex than. But the- that's but I'm saying all the headlines are like that's it. It's all coming to an end, and it's a reboot. And it's like no, it's not. Yeah. What I am like, I've likened it to to a couple of people that understand what I'm talking about. I had, this is my first chance to really sit down with people that do. Yeah. Um, and it's not an insult. It's just like you know, when you're out, say in an office, you don't want to say. By the way, have you heard what's <laughs> happening with <laughs> Earth six sixteen? Why is Derek putting tape in his classes? It just it's a thing I do. Um, that uh, that this is what Crisis on Infinite Earths was going to do, uh-huh. and then didn't. Then they stopped short of it. They stopped short. And this is taking, and now, you know, 30 years later, they can do this. Marvel can say, okay, this is is what's going to happen, is that everything will go up to this point. The Earth will be, there may be some reality warping thing that must happen as these universes collide, right? Reality, space and time are broken. We know that. And they're going to come together and everything moves forward. Those stories are not negated. That continuity has not been negated. It is now that literally moving forward, there is a new reality. Now, we don't know yet. Granted, some people might say, like, we won't know. Do people from the Ultimate Universe, will they remember that they were? Because that's where Crisis kind of lost its nerve uh, back in 1985 was the characters 
did not remember an old continuity. And that's always been a sticking point to me in, with the exception of the Superman of Earth 2. And for a little bit in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths number, yeah. number 12, there were characters that remembered the whole thing besides the Psycho Pirate. And then when it finished, all their m- memories had faded. But don't you think it's going to be a better story and a better basis for new stories if they don't remember? They're not trying to deal with the fact, well, I used to be. I got migrated to this area. Well, like, I, I, I was forced bust into this I will, New York. I will hearken back to a couple of podcasts ago where I picked up Bleeding Cool's concept is that I think Franklin Richards, who has reality-altering powers, as does Wanda Maximoff, yeah. that perhaps the combination of the two or whatever, that there are going to be things where you have now placed aside. There's a Fantastic Four that was active in the 60s. There, And the Marvel, the cinematic universe is going to pull this up, I think, if rumors are true, leaks about the Ant-Man plot are true, that um, you know they're having their cake and eat it too with Hank Pym. Hank Pym will have been active in the 60s as a youngish right. Michael so they're Douglas. So they're rewritten into that new, new timeline, new right. storyline. So you won't have Fantastic Four and the X-Men coexisting with the Avengers right you you and you will have a new and this is where I was getting into it on, on my I, I not intentionally getting into it because again you know if you're a friend of mine on Facebook it's because if I know you I consider you a friend uh, you know I mean or at least friendly so uh, so and a person that I that I am very friendly with that you would sit down and have a drink with. Uh, and and often do with this guy I was discussing today with yeah. about saying like I think and apparently other sites as well have picked up, have the same idea, is that I think one of the, these things, even though Dan Buckley, who is the um, publisher of, uh, of Marvel, not, not publisher, what I can't remember what his title is, um, but he's higher up. You don't hear from Dan Buckley too often, but he was, mm-hmm. he was interviewed yesterday, said, we're not consciously trying to move the Marvel Universe and the com- movie universe and the comics universe in sync. But it's like, well, yeah, you have. There have been reflections. It's not It's not that they're trying to be the same continuity. But one of the things I think, and we talked about last week, that is a way around the Spider-Man problem with Sony is if Miles. He's Marvel Entertainment president and publisher of print, animation, and digital. Okay, so he is publisher. He is still publisher. You know, they had a shakeup a, a little while ago, and I couldn't remember if he, if he maintained that, that publisher uh, title. But, um, you know, that Miles Morales might be a way around we can be a character so they could with have spider a Miles powers. Morales, he can be Spider Man in the Avengers, right? Now, which is funny, but the argument is you probably can't call him Spider Man, and which is fine. Um, call him something else, Spider Boy, Silk. The funny thing is, uh, you know, we're talking about what's going to happen afterwards. I think it's still intriguing what's going to happen during the event because mm-hmm. they, in the announcement, they they showed off Battle World as a actual planet with regions and in the different regions there are different storylines happening. Right. And so the only one that I find interesting and maybe you can correct me it it feels like it 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 really I unless I'm thinking of something different is Weird World. Wasn't that the Mike Plug fantasy? It is. It was. Did and they bring it into regular Marvel continuity? Somehow? I don't know. I, I clicked on that one, and it's to be announced what it is. Some of the, I don't yeah, think the, they ever the, brought it into the Marvel. If you if you look on the Fanboy Planet website, there's an article, kind of a one fan's take from uh, Sharnold, 
uh, old indie comics creator, not old, he's still much younger than the rest of us, yeah. uh, an indie comics creator that we befriended a long time ago, uh, been on the podcast a few times, and lives in L.A., so he wrote a thing up, and I included a link to the interactive map. So they've got a yeah. battle world where it will bring up like what the reality are. Several of those realities, those regions, are not announced yet. Most so, of them are not announced. So that's There's what Rick, I'm just saying. That's what Rick is referring to specifically. You go over that area, and then there's things TBA, but like one that is very specific: Age of Apocalypse. Yes. And as we were discussing before the podcast started tonight, you and I, that. Um, that that was a reality in which two characters, three characters, escaped. Yes, from the elimination of that. So Blink, who was in uh, was movie fans do know from uh, the age of not the age of Apocalypse, but Days of Future Days of Past, um, and uh, X Man, who I don't know if he's still alive in the regular universe. Nathan Summers. Yeah, I can't remember what happened. Who's right? Nate Gray. He was Nate Gray. Nate Gray. Um, and then the Dark Beast. There was a, an alternate version of Hank. Dark McCoy. Beast. Dark Beast didn't come over immediately. He came over later. Well, because no, he he had been he had actually s- switched times. He'd been operating behind the scenes for like ten years. Yeah, he, uh, but they retconned. Right. But yeah, you know, you know, but they'd said that he was there helping Mister Sinister for a long time. And it's interesting because in particular that that planetary area. Well, all the areas. If you click on them, you get a little background for it if it's written in. But you also, there's a link to the storylines from Marvel Ultimate, which is their their archive subscriber system where if you... Marvel Unlimited. Unlimited, which is where if you pay their yearly I'm subscription... I'm so glad they've decided to call it Marvel Unlimited instead of the Digital Comics Unlimited yeah. it was originally. But the, the DCU. But it's different than the ones that you buy or you get the, <laughs> get the coupons from. Yes, I, yes. I got that. Um you have a subscriber. You can read anything you want from their archives uh, right. for just that one subscription plate. They have the in reading order, the entire age of uh, age of apocalypse mm-hmm. storyline. And the funny thing was, the first one I picked up was not the first one I picked up to read this afternoon. Was actually a collection of um, uncanny X Men stories that start with Captain Britain. Now we know Captain Britain is one of the more yeah. interdimensional storylines. Uh, working uh, often has contact with uh, Ro- Roma. What's yeah, name? Roma. Roma, and in that the in that issue, it's the wave of realities crashing together that was it was occurring that caused the um, caused the Age of Apocalypse, and it's very much looking like what we can kind of expect this is going to look like when the planets move together and people get combined or okay, move so apart. You, so you know what, what I, I want to say at this point and just alert all of fandom. Nobody tell Alan Moore this is happening because really oh. all of this multi universe, uh, multiple universes thing comes out of Captain Britain when Alan Moore wrote it. Yeah. So he even numbered the Earth. So uh, I don't think he's particularly angry at Marvel. but uh, We don't need him to be any more angry than he, <laughs> he normally boils at. So, but it's uh, those are great. Those are that's a great storyline to read through. I'd forgotten how good it was because Alan Davis art, of course, which yeah, is just was, liquid uh, beauty. I, I have uh, I have fond memories of it. I think it, and 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 I I don't know why I like alternate universe stuff. I've always liked like what if uh, when they did that. I've always enjoyed DC's Elseworlds, and mm-hmm. I certainly I'm one of those people. Well, like right now, I'm eating up multiversity and and always been sort of like one of those people that that 
kept straight Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth S, Earth 3, Earth X, which is this. And, and Marvel, I don't know the numbers of all of them, but one of my favorite Marvel series was Exiles. The ones that were yep. the team that was going from going reality through the, to reality. Well, that was who, with Blink. They seem to put really good writers on that kind of stuff. Like, obviously, Multiversity is Grant Morrison. Yeah. And... Judd, I mean, I don't know Judd who Winnick, wrote Judd Winnick older. did Exiles. Um, Age of Apocalypse was a whole house thing. Um, yeah. Bendis did House of M, which actually was pretty interesting. I mean, he laid it out. I mean, others yeah. had to write some of those crossover books. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, and they've always been fun. And, and it used to be just the way it was, you know, because you look at some of my – and they're great trade paperbacks from, from D.C. If you do Crisis on Multiple Earths, which is all the JLA, JSA cro- crossovers, which then got even cooler when they started bringing in – Things like the Seven Soldiers of Victory, right. and then the uh, there was the uh, I can't remember what the name of their time. Like they had Jonah Hex and Viking Prince and Enemy Ace. They created a team of that and Legion of Superheroes at one point and Earth S. So they brought in all the Shazam and the the Atomic Knights and yeah, I think there was one with yeah. the Atomic Knights as well. You know, so um, anyway, I, I I'm a fan of it. Anything where Marvel has also said is they're going to this is. This is earth-shattering if it's true that they're going to narrow down for the duration of Secret Wars how many books they're putting out. That's incredible. So I don't know if I believe them because I've certainly had – we've certainly been promised enough crossovers that said, no, you won't – we won't have a whole bunch of tie-in issues and then suddenly a whole bunch of tie-in issues come out. Yeah. But we also know every single mini series that that they have also, um, I mean, which is no surprise that this has been in the works for a long time. It was revealed as well. They've already begun licensing deals with toys, with, with toys, with video games, yep. with books, everything. They are ready. You know, they they are absolutely moving moving forward. Now, what this has to do with my my biggest fear of, of narrowing down is they're saying they're narrowing it all down. Right as they were reviving Howard the Duck, so I'm hoping. Oh, there is a there's there's definitely one of the areas in the in Battle World that is. Def, I, I can't is remember what it was called, but it was duck definitely world? a Duck World esque name to it. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. Duckburg is there. It's Donald Duck fighting to the oh, death against the Marvel zombies. I really should try and f- figure out where that is. Yeah. But, uh, so there was also an Arachnia. I think that Spider Island is yeah. that, that when, when there was that crossover in, in Spider Man where all of Manhattan was turned by uh, the the sorcerer. Everybody was given spider powers. Yes. So, um, yeah, a lot of big crossovers we already know. So and they are ready. This is the reality. This is and whatever they do moving forward is a great way to put together. The other thing with it as not being a reboot, but what we might call a soft reboot, is it allows, if you put ultimate characters in... New Quack City. Okay, yeah, that's that's Howard the Duck. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Arachnia. That, uh, that what it's allowing is for someone like Miles can carry over. If you need a younger Fantastic Four, if you need younger versions, and you can still have the older versions, and then it gives the Marvel Universe a sense of legacy that they've had a very difficult time establishing, despite the fact that you've got Captain America and Bucky and Jim Hammond, the Human Torch, um, and to some extent Namor, who was killed last week, God rest his soul. Uh, but What? Th- oh, yeah, Namor was killed by Black Panther last week in leading into this. So Finally? Yeah, finally. <laughs> so just in time, 
he's not really dead. Like Wolverine's not really dead. Well, no, he's but I mean, resting. That whole yeah, there's been that uh, whole thing has been going on for yeah. a couple of years now, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the the ultimate point is that they that they've not been able to establish the the way that the JSA originally, the Justice Society of America and the Justice League of America and those legacies characters that went on, mm-hmm. it just hasn't had the same impact in the in the. New Marvel 52. Universe. They haven't been able right, right. To, to do that. And right. in the New 52, God, no, 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 no. I mean, the whole thing with Earth 2 makes no bloody sense. So, But it's one of my favorite New 52 books. Yes. No, I, I agree with that, too. That's the, that's the irony of it yeah. all. Uh, let us move forward. So that's all coming out in May. You know what else is coming out in May? What? Um, IDW has the Disney license of all things. Why you've got new Quack City? Well that's where the tough ducks go. <laughs> but you want the junior woodchucks? You want Huey Dewey and Louie? You gotta go from New York City to San Diego where IDW exists and for some reason Disney has given the license to all their cartoon characters, not to Marvel, which is doing Disney Kingdom books and about to do Big Thunder Mountain. Instead IDW has Uncle Scrooge and and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and oh if there is Walt is smiling down from a, at us from heaven Super Goof I'm just waiting mm. for Super Goof to return but uh, I find it very odd and there's been no major explanation like we talked there was this you know that uh, the Canadian publishers got frozen and all the and all the animated full length feature adaptations <laughs> oh sorry Joe the Canadians have frozen, frozen yeah they do. Uh, and, and they got frozen, but Joe yeah. Joe Comics is a publisher that's got that's got that coming out. Yeah, why are they? They own the biggest comic book company in the world. Yes, and they're giving the wealth out now. And other people were like, going, "We're saying, well, maybe this means that IDW is going to get bought by Disney." And again, consequence. Who knows? IDW just bought Top Shelf, so. That means that that Disney could slowly be cornering the market on collectible, on you know all kinds of stuff, high oh. end, low end, uh, critically acclaimed books, and and then Alan Moore will get angry and he <laughs> will rise from the depths. The old one will will waken from his slumber, and uh, Moro will come forward. Um, anyway, so it is odd. Uh, I'm just kind of curious about that because IDW's had a couple of good things this week. I want to talk about you know that they are releasing the one uh, one uh, licensed movie title that is like I actually anticipated. We now we've had Big Trouble in Little China. Now we've got a pretty decent Escape from New York from Boom Studios. What what is left for me that should have been a comic a long time ago was Galaxy Quest, and IDW is going to be going to be continuing the adventures of Galaxy. Did you Quest. see it today? No, it was either sold out or Diamond did not deliver it to Elusive Comics. I I was going to buy it. But you did not. Therefore, I guess it's for the best, but how disappointing to hear. It I it was I I said I'm not going to get sucked into this just cuz I love the movie and I picked it up and I spent about 3 4 minutes going through it and I put it back on the shelf. And I realized that what makes that movie so charming and wonderful is the acting and the scripting and the fact that it's it's genuinely funny with with really good actors and they couldn't draw any of them to look like the original actors and the script was the 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 text was not funny okay so i, I mean it's not it, funny it, it tried it's, it's not just funny. not funny thanks billy crystal 
it, it, it tried to be. It tried to be, but it wasn't the same thing. And so I, I can understand. I and be, I, I feel that I feel that way whenever somebody talks about how it needs a sequel. And yeah, and I say, and I and it was actually now this explains. It was playing at Elusive when I was over Elusive Comics. Oh, they were playing it on the. They were playing it on the on the TV, and I was kind of thinking, yeah, I love this movie, but I don't know that I would enjoy seeing that cast reunite now yeah. and be in it. I don't know that I need to... I think one it's, of the things that makes it... It's a perfect story as I is. think it's one of the things that makes it so charming now. Yeah. It, it, it is that it is a movie that is one and done and yet so clearly could have been a franchise, certainly did well enough to be a franchise, and I certainly got the cult following. Because you know how they'd write that story. They at the end of the the yeah. movie they got their new series. Well, they'd write the story that the series was like one season and out, and they all fell back into dejected attitudes, and then, and then something re- comes up and they re- they find a new purpose in life, and it's just a replay. Yeah, you know. Although I think there is there is perhaps some story to be told of if they went in like Cocoon and became adventurous. I mean, Cocoon was kind of ruined by having a sequel too. Yeah, but but the idea that they would go out and have adventures that we didn't get to see. Like, ultimately, the Star Trek movie universe, if it had ended at Wrath of Khan, which, of course, it wasn't going to, but when it's straight on till morning and we're right. going to go out there, you know, and it's like... Da, 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 you da, trust da. that those stories are going to be great. Yeah. And they're, yeah. And then you got Star Trek V. Um, <laughs> IDW is also doing something. I still have not seen a copy of the Kill Shakespeare board game, which is supposed to exist, but I wanted to say for Nate that also in May, IDW is releasing... The Chew board game, Cases of the FDA. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so I will There's got to be great chicken pieces in I'm there. going to write back and, again, see if we can get a copy because, really, this should be uh, there should be a podcast of us playing. I, like, I, I think there should have been a podcast for Kill Shakespeare. But, again, I've not even seen a copy of it. Supposedly that came out. I have not, but I don't frequent game stores as specifically. I haven't seen it. I don't think I've seen it in the store. Okay. You know, the creator of Chew is a friend of the program. I know he is. That's why we really need to get a copy and play the game. Okay? I understand that. The creator, and by the way. And have him on to talk about it. But uh, that we're being so coy about. John Lehman, I'm so thrilled for John. And uh, that that this really bizarre concept has gone so far as to a board game. You know, I'm not quite sure what's happening with the animated project right now, but it's still... It's great to see that it is, has struck such a chord. You know, he's a nice guy. Uh... He's a very talented writer and loves comics. And so I love to see... I, I love the idea that games, not video games, but board games are rising out of comics because it reminds me yep. about, about being of being seven years old at the TG&Y again. We should at least... Or let me make myself really old. I'm sorry. Seven years old, walking into the Ben Franklin Five and Dime. Freak. What's here's, a five and dime? Here's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> they were all over the place, Nate. There were five and dime stores everywhere. Those were coins back in the old they days. They were like 99 cent stores, but with full of stuff you wanted to buy, not stuff you had to buy. Okay. We should play Super Fight with you and me, Natives in the area, Tom Galloway, and Chris Garcia. We might have an actual super fight, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> For Chris Garcia's wedding, I'm in charge, so let's just have a game of super fight. Um, okay. So that's right, by the way. Our own Christopher J. Garcia 
is getting married. The Reverend Doctor Hugo Award winner. Sure, but he had to turn to me to get married. So I, I can go. I'm going to the ceremony, but I'm leaving early to go uh, on up to San Francisco for uh, shh, my kids don't know sketch fest. Going, my kids don't know they're going to a wedding yet. Um, but yes, uh, is that I, good or bad? Are they going to be? I don't know. We'll see. Bored out of their minds it's gonna at be, a wedding. I can, I'm not going to say where it is, but it's actually going to be at some place that I think they'll find interesting. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't have my lines yet, but I will be performing the ceremony. So it's uh, sweet. Yes, in a clown suit. <laughs> that was a thread on Facebook today uh, or this week. Um, you know. So anyway, because he wanted to go for an operatic wedding, so he wanted me to be uh, do Il Pagliacci. Nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Uh, so uh, anyway, I would have to thumb back up because there was another one that came uh, came out before we go to what's in the bag. Is that uh, a, a, a new? Subline from again the publishing company that to me has not made a mistake in the last couple of years, uh, Archie Comics, which by the way we didn't really get to cover because it was during our is that they're actually rebooting Archie. Mark right. Wade is writing a right. more modern take and and the art looked good. I, I, I'm going to trust them. I, they've tried this a couple of times before, um, but it was a different different leadership. And I think uh, I think it'll be very interesting at at the very least. I think they'll still revert to there'll still be Archie's pals and gals, but there should be an ongoing attempt to make Archie in place. And we also didn't mention that Archie's got the only crossover that could that could top his Archie meets the meets the Punisher. Archie will be fighting Predator. Okay, Archie versus Predator. Yes, but the books I wanted to talk about tonight were that uh, Dark Circle comics, which is what they've taken to be a more serious uh, version of their Red Circle, also sometimes known as the MLJ Heroes, which DC had re- had the license to a couple of times, um, probably most successfully under the Impact line of comics. They're characters that have always been treated kind of humorously, and indeed speaking of Mark Wade, Mark Wade and Dean Haspel have been reviving the Fox quite well. Uh, and that will continue. That has continued on, ongoing in more of a lighthearted vein. Uh, but they're really, uh, and you can again see on on Fanboy Planet that we, we got some of the preview art for the Black Hood, mm-hmm. who really was the first MLJ character that I actually encountered as a kid. With uh, I wrote the Archie Superhero Digest, which I'm pretty sure I know where it is, and I want to dig it up because it was Gray Morrow art. I don't remember. I think Denny O'Neill wrote it was stories pre DC, so it was before he'd gone into Batman. So he was like doing kind of warm up stuff. It's beautiful stuff, which in a weird sense here does not actually have to do with what Dark Circle is doing. But they've got Dwayne Zorinsky, who is uh, a crime novelist and has written some pretty gritty crime comics as well, writing the Black Hood and Michael Gatiss, who was fantastic, uh, did the Brian Michael Bendis early run on Daredevil way back when, mm. fantastic. And with with Brian Michael Bendis did for Icon uh, Scarlet uh, for Marvel. So he's a very gritty artist whose work is very well suited to what I think they're going to treat, how they're going to treat the Black Hood. Impact Comics had tried to make him supernatural. This, I think, is going to be More just, noir. just a straight noir, yeah. um, kind of a driven crime yeah, the art, the art's full of flavor. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. really, really interesting. So, very much looking forward to the Black Hood. And now we come to that portion of the of the evening that we play that we where call. we say we have one more piece of comics news. <laughs> Nate, I know you were busy, <laughs> but we try to subvert these kinds of moments, and you just subvert me. Go ahead. 
Milestone Media is back. Damn it. I forgot to. That's what I wanted to write down. Friend uh, of the program. Michael Davis. Michael Davis. I want a table because I want to try and get Michael on. Yes. And I I'm didn't. going to message him or something on Facebook and see if he'll come on. Okay. Okay. I was going to do that tonight, but uh, well, I. Oh, you do it then. All right. Okay. I don't know. I, why don't I more jokes on his page? Why don't I loop loop you through? Yeah, I'm always just I'm I'm always more disrespectful to him. You're the one going, yeah, but you're egging him on. <laughs> I'm going like, dude, I just really appreciate the respective. Certainly, when I look at uh, of 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 accomplishments of 2014, it was a very passive accomplishment. But meeting Michael Davis is something that I I am really really love happened this year because I just think the guy's perspective is amazing. So glad that we uh, became friends on Facebook, which is really not friends. I understand that, but uh, I definitely love getting that guy's perspective and I would love to have him on. He's one of the founders of milestone media and that is uh, getting revived. And that was announced today. Um, his name was not mentioned in what I read. So I, I was uh, about to say, I've only seen one article that he's even mentioned his name and that was as you know, an original founding member, but everything is saying it's mentioning uh, Reggie Hudlin, Dennis Cohen, and Derek Dingle as reforming Milestone 2.0. Yeah. And so, so what does this mean for our readers and for people who are listening? To well, this? we already knew there was going to be a renaissance because Reginald Hudlin was bringing back uh, Static, and that's probably the character most people know. But just last week, we talked about how much I we know. liked the Blood Syndicate. This was a leading question. Oh, I really hate when you lead. <laughs> uh <laughs> You dance backwards so well no, I'm high sorry. I, I'm sorry, really. Is that I was just going to say, and that's what Debbie said. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. I just you know, bring it in. But uh, it, the static is being brought into uh, Warner Brothers' digital content site, um, which I still have not done. I've never looked at anything on it. I mean, you know they've been doing that for a long time, but I don't know how much impact – that really has Their on digital people. books? No, 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 no. They have a website where they do short programming. Oh, oh, oh okay. And which includes, we forgot to talk about last week, but they announced that they're doing an animated Vixen okay. that will be set in the same universe as the TV show Flash and Arrow. Interesting. So it'll have, it'll share but a continuity, it'll be but it'll be animated. So, Interesting. Uh, and that'll be online only. So, but Children's Hospital started there, the Adult Swim show, which I absolutely okay. love. So it had started on there online, and I've just never been there. So I'm going to check that out. That's a note. But So we will table Milestone a little bit until we really know more and can talk about it and hopefully get uh, Michael on to talk about it. This is not a promise, listeners. Just really hope we can because it will be a, a wild conversation, I have no doubt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, And I mean that with great respect. I, I really love the guy. So I'm so looking forward to if we can get him on. That would be fantastic. Let's play the game, Nate. It's not really a game. Let's play the feature. Sing the song. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? I may not really have anything in the bag because I think that my things were pretty obvious. I thought you were going to take that. I was going to okay. have to fight you for that Okay. One. Well, then, uh, then I'm going to fight. Okay, I'm winning. Uh, Nate, what do you have in the bag first? Let Did you me, have a chance? Uh, let me go last because I haven't had a chance to go to the <laughs> wow. shop. Okay. Well, then, And I will look up what I would have put in my bag. No, no, no. This is a week. We'll just say. This Are you not going to do the one on top? It'll be Rick and I face to face. No, no, no it's okay. Up. Or I'm, I could say what I got last week. Because I picked that up on Monday, oh, okay. which was this week. Well, what, what did you pick up last week? That's that's worthwhile. Because you don't well, have a chance to read. How about let's start with Savage Dragon Two Hundred One. Okay, well, all right. 
and I read it. <laughs> so, and and she's my wife. <laughs> that the uh, little bit of shenanigans that occurred in 200 that we spoke to Eric Larson about. Shenanigans. Mm-hmm. There's a bit More of a continuation in terms of talking about those shenanigans. Fallout from shenanigans. And possible more shenanigans in the future. Well, look, when you've gotten into shenanigans once, it's you hard. hope to do it again. <laughs> yes. It's sort of like potato chips. Or pastrami Jake, right now is Rick's trying to lose that five pounds. Pastrami. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Rick, go ahead. Okay, I'll take I'll take it. Uh, we got Damn ba- it, no, because I don't really have I any said, alternates. Okay, you want to take that one? Yeah. I, I only have two this week. Oh, okay. All right, then go ahead. Do so uh, I am so happy with this cover. It's Batman and Robin. Let me say that again. Batman and Robin, number 38. And we have Robin in a very Superman pose. Because you read Batman Omega, right? But I- the same at the same time, looking... Smug the only way, only no, the no. way Damien can. Everyone be. should be terrified that Damien is essentially oh. superpowered. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. It's going to be. Who is the artist on that cover? Because that so captures everything about him. Uh, I, I I don't know if that's Patrick Gleason. Patrick Gleason, it just looks like it's okay. his art. With Mick uh, Gray doing the inking. Fabulous, fabulous. No, uh, Gleason, Gray, and Khalees. Yes. Yeah. Same team on the cover. Yeah. That that's got to be. I know it's only January of 2015, but that is one of the most evocative covers the whole year could deliver because yeah. it says everything about why I want to read this book. And uh, uh, to finish it off, he's he's ripping his uh, his shirt open with yes. these bullets bouncing off of him. No, it's fantastic in great detail. All the bullets having taken impact off his chest. And- so. Listeners, the story could suck, but the cover is amazing. This yeah. is everything a cover should do. Yes. And it doesn't happen, sadly, often enough. Because I'll go to my my choice, and this is this is just a bit of confusion, though I'm totally going to enjoy reading it. Fantastic Four, uh, number 642, James yep. Robinson. And uh, this is The End is Forever, number one. This is where Secret Wars is truly going to begin. The end of the ending of the Fantastic Four is where everything's about to change. I believe so. Yeah. So I, I figure I haven't caught, gotten caught up with this, but I'm going to read this one tonight anyway. So, um, but it, but as a cover, it's just it's just kind of a mess. Robinson's books in the last the last uh, arc that he did, um, they read a lot better. One right after another, if you store yeah. like three or four uh, up at a time. But truthfully, if you didn't know what this was, even the logo, it's not yeah. even sure what book it is. It's really difficult. So the, the, try to find and it. And the Hulk is in it. Yeah, and the Hulk's in it, and that's okay. And so is the Dead no, Submariner. No, that's good. That's a plus. Yeah, but and uh, Captain America. And Captain America, but it, it's yeah, it, it's just it's, it's it's just confusing. Yeah. So I'm not gonna you know I mean I'm sure it's gonna be a great book, but it, but to it's compare, still, it's a confusing recommendation to compare to the fantastically clean, perfect cover that Gleason and Gray did. Sure, sure. Is you know, moi. All right, Nate. <laughs> Going back in time a couple days. Issue. You guys probably mentioned it, so I'll skip that one. How about Walking Dead number 136? Hey. <laughs> we got to get some more money so you can buy more than three titles. <laughs> <laughs> what you should do is, oh, we, have we, we haven't announced your job yet. We can't. You? I told you, we t- said so we don't. We don't. That's we up don't to him. We don't ever? 
Well, no, it's up to you. Well, you can. I don't oh, want I, I don't want you, you to mess no, something I was up. Say, I don't want to mess something up for you. If you think you can say it, I just didn't want us to say it last week. I don't have to give any details about anything. I can say what my job is. There you go. Fluffer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Anyway, go it's ahead. It's true. Go ahead, I Nate. We're all very proud of you. A production assistant on Key and Peel. Is this a regular gig? Is this full-time? Or is uh, it's it... full-time until the end of the month. And at which time I will hopefully be extended again. It was originally one day. It was two Fridays ago. But our Nate Costa is so valuable. I am a mover and a shaker, and they said, hey, can you come in again for the rest of next week? And I said, absolutely. See, and on Tuesday, Key and yes. Peel were shooting, and I was sitting in a trailer with one of the producers, and I said, so what do I need to do to continue coming in after this week? And she said, well... Keep doing what you're doing. Well, that's a, good, so that's a good sign. So on Thursday, she said, can you come until the end of the month, and we'll see what happens after that. So I am hoping. Fantastic. That, uh, Fantastic. One of my favorite shows on television. And uh, see, here's and my. You couldn't meet two nicer guys than Mr. Key and Mr. Peel. Here's, here's my plan for you. You should get them both into a comic book store and, <laughs> and bond over the Savage Dragon and Walking Dead. And then you can you can Rick, say I can introduce Rick, you to Mr. Rick, Kirkman. We need to put you uh, <laughs> give you a volume because I say you know this whole here's my plan for you. No, no, yeah, that, that, and once once you guys bind bound bind Nate Nate if if Rick starts calling you Alicia, what run? Once you guys have, have he fully he's the puppet master. Once you guys have fully bonded over comic books, you will have a job for life with them. I I I, I guarantee it. <laughs> Uh, assuming they keep doing a sketch show. Yes. And, and, you know, and, yeah. I will go upstairs. Because they're and... busy people. They are fantastically in demand. Um, okay. So let us go. Uh, oh, my next one. Yes. So we didn't say anything when this book went through a big change about five issues back. But um, it's been one of my favorites for a long time, and that is Dark Horse Presents, which has been an anthology book. It became slimmer and more affordable. It has become slimmer, but still thicker and more better put together than any other book you're going to buy for four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. It used I to mean, be seven ninety nine. It used to be about eight bucks for something that was maybe mm -hmm. one and a half time or two times as thick as that and square bound. So this is much more affordable. It is, it is, it's not a very heavyweight field, but it's probably the best anthology book out there right now. And if you like reading, I mean, it's... Well, look, look alone. I mean, Matt Kent, who is uh, one of those writers everybody's talking about, and I feel like, oh, my, I really got to read some of his stuff because everybody tells me he's great. Yeah. Scott Collins is an art, Alex DeCampi, Jerry Ordway, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Justin Gray, we love, Andy Kuhn, Simon Roy... Hey, my buddy Keith Champagne, Leonard Kirk, Ed Brisson, Brian Lovell, Jeff Darrow, which probably gave you a He's little bit He's done the back, back cover, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I love seeing anthologies yep. exist. I don't pick them up often enough. Yeah. But uh, and yeah. but short works, 48 pages for four ninety nine is is really good. a that's, good deal, especially when the, the quality of stock that they have. Battle of Ghosties Tales from the Grave would sell for that. Yep. Uh, that was good stuff. Yep. They um, don't come out often enough. <laughs> Well, there's an announcement coming on that, so uh, but I can't talk about it yet. Okay. It's not my announcement to make, just like Nate's job. There you go. Um, 
Okay. Uh, Nate, do you, have, you only had two, so I was going to... I have more. Okay. Uh-huh. But, uh, this is this is my two. We'll, get, we'll stick it on the two because I wanted to be done by, by nine tonight. Uh, then I also ran a little preview piece and picked up March from uh, Congressman John Lewis, who was actually involved in the civil rights movement. He decided that the best way to tell the story of the civil rights movement, inspired by the comic book that I think was like in... 58 or 59 that was early on in martin luther king's uh oh. career that there was a comic book called called the story of martin luther king jr that was given out to school children and you remember that that was a way to get into people's minds so he's created a he's in the midst of a graphic novel trilogy called march which is about the civil rights movement and so volume two book two came out today from top shelf comics and um you know in in the um in the wake of the movie Selma just coming out, and realized it's been 50 years since the events there. That was uh, on, I was going to say, so Monday on Martin Luther King Day was the 50th anniversary of the march in Selma, and um, and then it was just Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, that I felt very compelled to pick this book up, and it's uh, you know it's just to remind people that occasionally and and often and probably not as often as or more often than people think. Um, Comics isn't just escapist. This is reality, and uh, and it's history, and it can cover all the genres that any other form of art can. And so, when something of great acclaim, and that this guy is a sitting congressman, um, and is, uh, and is involved in uh, is is involved in comics, yep. like, like like our president, not it's, just collecting, he's writing comics. So it's top shelf productions, top shelf, yeah, which is top shelf comics, C O M I X is the website, uh, but Top Shelf Productions, which is now owned by IDW. so And um, it's got one of my favorite things in it, too, which is this... Uh, little end papers. Reinforcing fold on the cover. Yeah. It's a, it's a paperback, but it's sturdier than most paperbacks. Yeah, I expect it to be, nicely square to be hard. I do, I do like this book. It's that good, will look good on the shelf. It will, but I largely bought it because my son is very, very interested by the civil rights movement. Impressive. Perfect way. Perfect way to... Give him a little more history about it in a way that in a form that he really enjoys. So that's that. We are going to uh, take a moment here, and uh, we had a special guest. Uh, we're going to talk to Jay Hartlove. So um, at this moment, let's dial him in. We are talking with Jay Hartlove, who is, of course, has been on the podcast a couple of times uh, as a novelist and uh, is now running a Kickstarter for his latest creative project, which is a we say sequel, musical sequel to Snow White called The Mirror's Revenge. Um, this is a, a play or a screenplay first. Is that right? It was originally a screenplay, but that was eight years ago. Um, it is definitely a musical play now. For it, the wor- stage. It, it worked for Shrek. It's okay. Uh, so there's no problem with that. So you you wrote the screenplay, you, would, and you were now reworking for the stage, and you are trying to get backing to do a concept album for this? And- Actually, it's the soundtrack album. Uh, the songs are written, we're recording them, and we want to do a clean studio actual album of the songs. And in order to do that, we need to actually hire the musicians and the, the you know, the actual session that would be required to do an actual cleaned up album. And we have been scrounging for the money. And as people know, if you're doing something just because you love it and there's no money in it, then you never get around to the part that actually costs anything. So we're doing a <laughs> Kickstarter. 
Yes, okay, so I do know is that. Is that a tear? <laughs> that is. is the, the Fanboy Planet Kickstarter will be starting next month. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what your stretch goals are, but uh, or what mine would be. But, no, I do understand, and, and that is uh, good of you to pay professionals to get this done. Uh, clearly, you have a passion for it, and there, and there, I would say there are people that are intrigued. The timing is certainly right of the concept. This is, right, sort of how do you describe it online as the wicked of Snow White? Yes, yes. Um, this is telling the story that you don't see in the original folk, folk tale, but is highly implied in the original folk tale. Uh, in a lot of times in fairy tales, motivations, characters, uh, original motivations are not explained very well. Well, in this case, in Snow White, it's, it's particularly so. Uh, we have all sorts of things going on that really make no sense within the limited context of the story. So you wonder, well, why are they really behaving like this? What's really going on here? And you figure that it's some larger, you know, cycle of folk tales or something. But in fact, this was a distillation of many folk tales. The Grimm brothers toured Europe and collected bits and pieces of history and folklore and stitch them all together into these stories, most of them cautionary in some way or another. This one's based in a lot of fact. There really was a princess in a German town who fell in love with a Spanish prince and his family had her killed because she was going to ruin his plans for the throne. And it, you know, sort of stitched all of this other folklore into that and we end up with the Snow White story. So there really isn't a larger story cycle. And I thought, well, there has to be more to this. So what I've written is the sequel. It picks up exactly where the other one ends and tells what happened to Snow White after she was rescued by the prince. Are there dwarves? By because dwarves are very that upsetting. Out, you then get to see what was really going on in the first story. Okay. And... In doing the research, have you also included things, um, influence from, uh, should we say, other throwbacks like uh, the uses of enchantment, uh, studying Bruno Bettelheim, or are you going absolute, I, I had to get a little intellectual on it, <laughs> or are you just going straight forward into the source material and moving forward with your sequel? Well, I'm trying to stitch in as much of the existing culture as, as will explain what's going on in the story. Uh, something that is skipped over in the in the original story is the role of the church. Uh, mm. There's no real statement of of any medical knowledge. We have uh, one of the dwarves in Disney called him Doc, uh, but he doesn't really demonstrate any medical knowledge. This is set in 1600 in the in the Black Forest of Germany, so we know what that looked like, and we know the influence that the church had, and we know what science was doing at the time. And so I've, I've put that into the story so as to kind of give it more cultural context. Turns out being rescued by the prince does not save Snow White from what her stepmother had put in motion. In fact, her stepmother wasn't the real villain. And here's, the, here's, here's where the spoilers come in. In this telling of the tale, the real enemy is the mirror, hence the title The Mirror's Revenge. Mm -hmm. The mirror convinced, actually seduced and convinced her stepmother into thinking that Snow White was actually a rival and an enemy instead of what makes a lot more sense would be, I mean, if you were, if you had inherited a, a kingdom and you had also inherited with that when your husband dies, 
a pliant, innocent, beautiful daughter. Now, what could more could you ask I'm, I'm sorry. No, uh, really empire. nothing at this point. Stop right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I'm just saying, empire building. I mean, she can be married off to the most powerful neighboring kingdom you She's want. She's Double the size of your influence. She's a huge asset. Yet in the story, we're told that she's seen as the enemy and a rival, and as she grows more beautiful, the queen loses her mind and tries to kill her. What is going on here? This answers that question. So The what's... queen wasn't of her right mind. She was being convinced by the mirror to do this. And the mirror's motivation is? The mirror, as it turns out, we do know in the, in the original story that Snow White's father died after he married mm -hmm. the stepmother, right? Well... The, st the father has an arch enemy, neighboring kingdom. They've been at war their whole lives. Eventually, they have a climactic battle and they kill one another. But it turns out the enemy is also a sorcerer. So the father kills the sorcerer, the sorcerer kills the father. But the sorcerer puts his soul into the mirror. Mm. Oh, and by okay. hook and by crook and by subtle manipulation, manages to get himself into his enemy's wife's bedroom as the mirror convinces the, the stepmother, well, the ex-wife, to kill the daughter, thereby ending his enemy's bloodline. Uh, now, I'm going to ask what would be... It's a Greek tragedy. It is a nasty little family story about revenge. I'm going to ask the difficult question, which is for the person that has seen... Um, admittedly, I'm not saying I, I can... Um, endorsing either of these films uh snow white and the huntsman or mirror mirror what does the mirror's revenge have for them that's that's more that's different both of those films showed snow white to be strong by putting a sword in her hand and that is not the snow white that is in the folktale or in the disney film or in any of the previous versions until these two very modern takes Snow White is an innocent. She has not a whole lot going for her, except she's just pushed around a lot. What I decided was that her real strength is her ability to love instead of and in spite of the hate around her. So in this story, she is called upon to be strong in ways that no one else in the story could have survived, but not by picking up a sword and going off and, and acting like a man. She gets to be a strong woman by being a woman. And so that's the appeal here is that if you are tired of seeing an innocent given weapons in order to show that they're strong, you don't have to do that. You can do it much better this way. She survived six months in a zombie-like state, dead in the ground, aware of her surroundings. What kind of mental strength would that require? Mm -hmm. A lot. She comes out of that coffin, and she's happy to see the prince, and she's willing to start over and start a whole new life after an absolutely harrowing, horrific experience. This is a very strong person, and that's the strength that I draw on in telling the story. When she finally realizes that the mirror was actually her father's enemy, and she's confronted by the whole thing again, she has to show that strength again and rise above, and that's how she ends up in this story. Now, are you hoping uh, you, you want to get this? Is this um, first goal is five thousand dollars? I think I saw uh, twenty five hundred, and we're going to pass that tonight. Oh, good, we're, good for you. We're doing well. We're doing well. Okay, twenty five hundred. Uh, that's, 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 that's for the that's, album. That's that's for the album, right? 
Okay. The, the, the stretch goal is 5,000, and that's so that we can start uh, workshopping the play on that's, stage. That's the, right figure, that's the figure I saw, and that's the question right. I was going to ask is and right. you're moving towards a full-on production or at least a workshop right. production. And for those interested, um, you are in the Bay Area, but it's a bit of a drive. So uh, what area would that workshop production be taking place in? In the Vallejo area. Uh, I've got an impresario who's who's willing to work with me this summer to to put it together, and he works out of three different community theaters up in the Vallejo area. Uh, by community theater, I don't mean to put anybody off. They're beautiful full scale theaters. Oh no, no, there's not. Um, please, there's some fantastic <laughs> work coming out of community theater, and the and the difference is you're you're in an area where well, it's not known for theater. So what what option is there? You're not going to open a professional equity house. Um, but you may have actors of, of professional equity quality, certainly. Oh, yeah, we're bringing in actors. Uh, well, I've already had a table read by equity actors from over in San Francisco. Uh, when I when we first realized that it should be on stage instead of a screenplay, um, I connected with a wonderful group. Uh, Ann Thomas runs a table reading group down in her house in Pacifica, and she's very theater over there. And she has a, a number of, of actors who come down from San Francisco and – uh, we'll do a cold table reading. They'll just take your script, never seen it before, and mm-hmm. just take everything they do as an actor and just look at the words and just play it from just what's on the page. And you find out right away whether or not you got it right on the page. And that was really the tipping point for me. At that point, it was like, okay, yes, give this to actors. This has to be acted on stage. And we need songs. And so that was you know, that was really the beginning of that journey. And here we are now with the songs written. Uh, I've, I've hired an artist to do the cover art for the album and for the posters and T-shirts and things. And it's, it's I have to say, it's pretty darn gorgeous. And we're off and running. So it's it's going to happen. Well, that's great. And we congratulate you on the success. And when this podcast goes live, we'll have the link to that Kickstarter. Because there are still 12 days left. Yeah. Yes. So... And there we go. Thank you so much for taking some time with us tonight, Jay. And You're welcome. Wish best I just of luck. wanted to. Uh, I wanted to ask you one question, since you folks are experts on, on a, a topic that I am only marginally familiar. Really, um, have any has anybody else explored uh, classic fairy tales in particular, but Snow White in in particular, um, in any other media, graphic novels, comics? Yes. Has anybody seen any decent treatment of Snow White? Uh, Fables actually has. There is a graphic novel called A Thousand and One Nights of Snow. Is that was that what it was called? Rick, it was the hardcover that was separate mm. separate out. It's over there. A Thousand One, uh, where she ended up being yeah. Scheherazade, and one of the things it did was actually talk about, uh, although it was, as you just said, a uh, sword-in-the-hand kind of situation, about what really happened in the kingdom and, and her being ransomed to the dwarves. It was a very dark, dark take. Uh, Into the Woods only vaguely, you know, the movie does not, but the but the stage play does reference uh, her, uh, and but that is left undone. If you want to count Once Upon a Time, I don't know because I haven't ever watched that show. Um, but but that's I don't consider that necessarily a more serious take. And I suppose yeah, I the thinking, closest I was, thinking, was the, I was asking really more about comics. But yeah, well yeah, and there and there's that and the Terry Gilliam film, uh, The Brothers Grimm. It was a thousand and one nights yeah. of snowfall. Oh, snowfall. Okay, I was very close. You were one syllable short. But that's uh, that's the big. And then I suppose um, the Zenoscope books. The um, they have a Grimm's fairy tale book, and Snow White has been covered in that. 
and uh, there's damsels. Uh, J. Scott oh, yeah. Campbell's book includes Snow White. There's so, two of those books, but they're also. I mean, the thing is, they're they're not particularly historically accurate. They're like, derivative. They're they're more of a pop culture take, placing it in a very uh, should we say self aware mythical 16th century or 17th century. You know, sure, fables sure. is di- fables is different in that it does at least allow that it was appropriate for its time and you get it's and it uh a thousand and one nights of snowfall is a flashback because right. snow white is now in the 21st century in new york city but telling tales of her past that are more historically accurate i really Logan like the idea of, i like the idea of tying her to shahrazade it really adds a mythic uh strain to it it's like you know that the, the story that we know of snow white is actually just some small piece of a much larger oh yeah no, much you longer should, life if of you, storytelling if you haven't you should read Fables, which is only two issues away from ending. So uh, now's the perfect time to jump on board because <laughs> you can actually you can see an end in sight. So, all right, I'm glad we could help you as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, in yeah. Larger oh, no, that's great. No, that's great. I it just I, I had a lot of fun adding details in in terms of of, of cross connecting. Uh, my dwarfs, for example, are a a colony of displaced Siamese monks. Um, and that plays to the fact that Snow White has demonstrated her uh, iron will at being able to survive the, the, the sleeping death spell. Um, she is, in fact, able to do that because the dwarves that she's been hanging out with when she first runs away from her mother are a bunch of Buddhists, and they have taught her meditation, which helps her survive the sleeping death. Oh, been so done so, a thousand times. <laughs> Actually, I feel wasn't that Snow White and the Three Stooges? Uh, that was the plot. No, it was me watching Snow White. Oh, okay. And the Three Stooges. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, they're great minds think alike. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, there you um, go. And but there's also again the, the church aspect um, was the you know she's she's having nightmares. She doesn't want to sleep again. I mean, she's afraid of sleep. I mean, sleep is too much like death. And so she's slowly losing her marbles. Uh, she's being visited by these horrific nightmares, and and she just can't sleep. And after a while, this is going to wear anybody down to insanity. Mm-hmm. And so she seeks help from the church, and the church has labeled her as unclean because they feel that she has been cursed by her stepmother, who was a, you may you be know, giving away too much a, plot right witch. now. Let's... So I'm just saying that you know all these things that spin off and connect. That it's like, well, what if you were to you know, what help would you seek and how would you do this and how do you end up connecting? And that was really the fun of writing it. So there's, you said, you know, well, what is, what does this have that doesn't, that uh, Snow White and the Huntsman or um, that Mirror Mirror has? Those are retellings of the story you already know. And this is the rest of the story that you That's think you know. That's a very good point. Well, all right then, and we'll leave it at that. If you think you know, or you know you don't know, because I don't, then check out the Kickstarter and be ready for a summer uh, table read uh, or workshop production uh, up in the Vallejo area. So thank you again, Jay. We have to get on to some other issues tonight. Excellent. And uh, we we leave you, and we go back to our own general nerdetry. You betcha. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thank Jay for his time. That was a, a fun conversation, and I'm going to have to go on to that Kickstarter and hope that uh, listeners do too. So once again, thank you, Jay. Let us talk now about... What a breath of fresh air Jay is. Were you there, Charlie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, let's talk movies. Uh, he, you know, Nate said Breath of Fresh Air because probably Coco was just there panting in his face. And his little, <laughs> uh, little dog breath. Uh, let's talk movies, uh, which is akin to me. Some of the news this week has been sort of like what is passing in the press is more like outrage or not even outrage, but but shocking. But it's not shocking. No. It's stuff that you really knew. Like so, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, gave an interview in which he said, "I'm not in. I'm the- not an apocalypse." And it's like, well, actually, if you paid attention to what was going on in Days of Future Past, it was very clear it was a farewell to uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Especially if you, unfortunately, that's, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. look, let's be honest. Sir Ian McKellen's had a fantastic career. He's getting a little too old mm-hmm. for action movies. Any interview you've read with him about playing Gandalf was like, you know, why would, did he almost not go back for The Hobbit? Was he's like, well, I have a limited amount of time left. And <laughs> do I want to spend it being a wizard in Middle Earth, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, yes, I understand what you're saying. Do I, does he want to be Magneto for the rest of his life? So we knew that it was going to, I mean, it's passed over. And to- Patrick Stewart actually is at an interesting point in his life. When we, we saw um, Hunting Elephants. Where mm-hmm. he plays, he plays an older gentleman than he actually is, and he does it so well that he should get those roles in now, so he gets solidly into that that, like he, uh, so that he, casting. I think he's done his Lear, um, or McKellen's done his Lear. Yeah. Um, actually, though, I think even in in Hunting Elephants, he is that old. He's in his seventies. He was playing. I think he was playing a little bit older than. He's uh, in his seventies, and he's got a movie on on demand right now called Match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a thriller based on a stage play and, uh, he's, but, but again, you know, he's a fit man. He's, he's a very fit man. Absolutely. And we're seeing that it's just that you've got James McAvoy. Clearly people like him as a younger professor X. Yeah. And, and well, will he shave his head? And that's the interesting question. And then Michael Fassbender, wear a bald cap. Sure. And, and, or he can just wear a wig after he's shaved CG. his head. Uh, and Michael Fassbender is a f- fine young oh, yeah. Magneto. Oh, you know, so, uh, let them go. And, and, and it was understood that age, of, that age of apocalypse, or they're just calling it X-Men apocalypse is going to be, they've confirmed it's set in the eighties. Again, I was seeing mainstream press going, what? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, we already knew from six months ago, it's not, what? it's, eh, okay, yeah, we expected that. It's a farewell, on purpose. Um, because you knew, you had actors that were, I mean, it's just like what Star Trek uh, Six was, you know, uh, Undiscovered Country, saying farewell to the cast there. Yeah. Um, Nate missed our conversation last week in which it, it seemed that... Uh, that Fox is very unhappy, surprisingly, with, on. with their Fantastic Four adaptation. And yet still, they're going to show a teaser with Kingsman when it opens in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, I can't wait. To which is so assuming they've got something. I understand there. they're going to make it ant size. <laughs> I still think that was a brilliant <laughs> move on Marvel's part. But uh, no, what's going to happen is you're going to, it's going to show up and then it's going to stretch <laughs> and stretch and it's going to turn invisible. Nice. And and then we're going to light it on fire. And then it's going to catch on fire. <laughs> yeah. And then the fire. And it'll crumble and put out little rocks. <laughs> and that'll be it. And I go, and I go, Fantastic Four? Eh. <laughs> so, Might as well see it. With a question mark. You're going to see it anyway. Um, so, anyway, we shall see there. And there was a... Uh, uh, <laughs> and Brian Shimada, re- listener, wrote into the Facebook and said, the Facebook, wrote into the Facebook page and said that uh, he saw there was a little interview with Mark Miller, who's then said, 
like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. It's like like an endorsement from Mark Miller. But when you actually read the article, which I'm not blaming Brian for, I mean, the headline made it sound like it was an endorsement right. from Mark Miller. And it's like, oh, the guy that Fox has on retainer to oversee the Marvel Universe that they own the corner of is uh, shilling for one of the movies, one of the first movies under his watch. First of all, what is he going to say? It sucks. No, he's not. He's gonna. I don't really like it. It's adequate. It's absolutely adequate. It's a bit embarrassing. It's just. And to my Scottish friends, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. I was just not prepared. I only had creme brulee. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's adequate. <laughs> it's coffee, not like you really need to have I didn't scotch. Know you're a method actor. Oh, I am. You've got to be totally drunk to be Scottish. Oh my god. No, you don't. Oh my god. No, I've offended. Oh, I've turned into Lon Lopez. Uh, so anyway. Um, that he's gonna, you know, he's gonna say it's great, but then you read it and he says, "I haven't seen it at all." So you're like, "I have confidence." I have confidence. It's like, okay, so you're talking on your ass because you're paid by the studio to talk. Well, that's not bad. It's the, the news that the yeah. the news media turns that into an endorsement, and it's not. It's not. It, it which. It, yes, and now you've made it more difficult for me for me to edit. <laughs> Blame Jay. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, that he, yeah, Fantastic Four could be okay. And what people have said is, you know, it was scheduled scheduled Are for reshoots. No, I'm not. I mean, maybe I am. That the, the reshoots were scheduled anyway. That's the that's the pushback from Fox, and we're like, okay, it's not unusual to do reshoots. No, He's not at all. But it's the, the, it's the backstory we're hearing as to why they're doing looking it. Looking at one piece of footage from it. It is, yeah. It's it's it's, and that's the interesting thing. No one's seen anything except for that little maquette of the thing. That's it. Uh, and a photo of the cast afterwards going, I love you all. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just mysterious is what it is. Um, also, perhaps not as mysterious, George Lucas gave an interview about Strange Magic, his animated film this week, in which he said, mysteriously, he had ideas for Star Wars 7, 8, and 9. He had outlines. He didn't want to commit ten, the next 10 years of his life directing it, which I do actually understand. Yeah. I absolutely do understand that. But that he sold those outlines to Disney and they utterly ignored him. So mystery, uh, and you're complaining about that? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, he's kind of a, a, George is complaining know about they it. Ignored him if they haven't made eight or nine yet because they probably told him what they probably read the script. They've they've ignored him. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, Strange Magic. He's now this is a this, he's actively involved in that film. Uh, I can say I had a friend who was working on it when uh, Lucasfilm uh, was still Lucasfilm was still uh-huh. independent, uh, and he was working up in Marin, and he was he was doing three D modeling for it, um, and then they shut it down, and uh-huh. and they kept a couple of modelers on on staff, and then they moved it overseas, and then it, and that was the last I heard of it. Didn't even have a title then. So it, it is an animated film that George, it was from an idea by George Lucas, and okay. he's been very active in this. It's uh, he calls it his film for twelve-year-old girls, which I respect that he's doing that. Yeah, sure. It's sort of allegedly, and I haven't seen footage of it at all. It, it, it's uh, a riff on uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. I assume of the fairy portion, not the, okay. not the human stuff, um, and then retold with it's like a jukebox musical cover versions of songs from about fifty. 50 years worth of pop music. So okay. kind of an interesting melding. 
it could be good. I and, and what my saying when it was shut down is like that has nothing to do with it. I, it was quality. Pixar tosses ideas and and sure. revamps and retools. You know that's one of the good things about animation. No one hears about oh we called the animated cast back for reshoots to fix this. You know you actually can as you go. So it could be very good. I it, it could be not. I have no idea. So but that was but of course everybody wants to talk to George Lucas about Star Wars. And what he admitted was he just saw the trailer for the first time and went, it's pretty good. So um, we also want to mention as two issues away from finishing, Fables, the Bill Willingham Vertigo book, is closing. But Jane Goldman, who wrote X-Men First Class, uh, was announced this week as the screenwriter of the Fables film adaptation. So happy that it's happening. James Cameron has pushed back Avatar a couple of years because the technology is still not quite there yet or his scripting isn't quite there yet or who knows what. But uh, Which has got to be a little irritating to Disney, which has just sunk a lot of money into building Pandora in Florida. I don't think, I don't think any company that's funding a James Cameron effort should really complain at all. No, but it's James Cameron money making machine. James Cameron's like a software company. It's you yeah. know, when he announces a date it's vaporware. It's vapor. It's yeah. going to be fine. So uh, let us talk about, and we're going to rush a little bit through, but that's okay, television, uh, because there's a lot of nerd stuff, uh, shows we, we love and go, hmm, um, Gotham. Oh, shows I can't wait to catch up on. Gotham, Flash, and Arrow have all been renewed for their next season, so Gotham goes into season two. It's like the sixth season for Arrow? No, it'll or be the fourth season for fourth Arrow. Fourth season? And uh, the second season for Flash and the second season, season for Gotham, which yeah. uh, Bruno Heller, of the executive producer of Gotham, said today, they will be introducing the Red Hood. Yeah. Very specifically as the Red Hood, not like a coy anything. It will be. So, um, but who will be under that hood? Who knows? Which, I mean, to be fair, Scott. Should never find out. Scott Snyder kind of redid that concept yeah, anyway yeah. In, in, in Zero Year. So that's that's cool. I do want to call out if you get this up by Friday that that Constantine, which blows hot and cold for me, is introducing Felix Faust on Friday night's episode. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. Now, his, is he a character in the Constantine books right now, or well, because has he's he new Fifty Two? It's yeah, uh, yeah no, it, it, but yeah, he's fought. He has fought Justice League Dark, which yeah, Constantine's yeah, I, I, been part yeah, of. Yeah. So I, I think it, you know, Const- but I still, I still the show. It harkens back to the older Constantine, not the, for me, the, not the one with, in with, with two exceptions. Though he has, he's in essentially the Salem Tower of Doctor Fate. He has Doctor Fate's helmet, and that we've met Jim Corrigan and and Zed saw him as the Spectre. So, yeah, yeah. So the, it is the supernatural universe. You know, she looked in the future. She saw Jim Corrigan dead. She knew that was going to happen. So, you know, that's their intention is to bring all those characters in. So I'm fine with the Felix Faust uh, appearance. Uh, as you noted, iZombie is coming out in March from CW. I'm a little reticent. Rob Thomas, the producer creator of, of Veronica Mars, is uh, the showrunner for this. But if you're a fan of the Vertigo series, and I sat down with the cast at Comic-Con. There is nothing about this series other than there are a couple of characters who are zombies that have anything in common with the Vertigo series. It's just they took the they took the clever comic title and they put it on a show. And the the uh, I mean they all look cute and squeaky clean. Right. In fact, the Rob Thomas refer, refers to them as zilfs. Zilfs. Yes. I don't know what that means. Zombies. I love to. Oh. Yes. 
<laughs> Follow. That was a perfect reaction. <laughs> oh. And Rick <laughs> just turned into my Aunt Bunny, not for the first time. So, um, anyway. Uh, so, it, it, it may be a very interesting show on its own, but if but if you're watching it because you think it's a comic book tie-in, it just doesn't feel like it at all. Uh, I'm just not getting that sense. I, and it's unfortunate. Could it be more along the lines of, like, Buffy? Uh, no, because they, they're they not going to expand out to other monsters either. It's going to be strictly a zombie uh, thing because Rob Thomas says all the other stuff has been done. But, I mean, it's, Buffy was more of an ensemble cast, kind of funny. There's a couple. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's intense to be like Veronica Mars. It's like, how do, how do we deal with our supernatural nature while we're going to school? But if you've read... Uh, if or you've read, or, if you Well, yeah, she works in a mortuary yeah. so she can eat, eat on brains. Brand. And if you've read the Vertigo series... Yeah, so that she, you know she's a grave digger, so that she can feed there. But right. but there's a, a where terrier is her friend. Her best friend is a ghost who hangs around the graveyard, and you know it, it's like there's a much more eclectic cast and a very well, as you expect with a book that Mike Allred is is doing the art on. It's a it's a it's a quirky fun book that because it got canceled, it kind of rushed to its to its ending. But it was and the thing is it was designed by Chris Roberson as the writer to adapt very easily into something mm-hmm. into another medium and unfortunately cw just you know isn't isn't doing that but that's enough of what isn't going to be this is what it is march 17th it like i said i because rob thomas is writing it i'm sure it's gonna be a fun show it's just not the vertigo book yeah so um that they dc announced a war or warner announced the they released the trailer for batman versus robin which is a continuation of Son of Batman and the Justice League War, Throne of Atlantis universe, but they're doing one Batman movie a year, putting it forward, doing the Court of Owls storyline. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And I, I like this. I like the the current take on it. They're they're staying with the same voice actors, same mm-hmm. animators, and stuff. I like the continuity they put into this. Uh, well, they're this. attempting to make it a universe for the first time. Yeah. And, a, a really cool and, and not saying, oh, we're going to do this one in this kind of different art. You know, well, let's go back to the the super manga, or let's do a super the form right, Batman. Right, well, because those very few of those were tied in. The only ones yeah. that were connected were the Superman Batman ones. And, right, and this is you now from here after Flashpoint Agenda. This was very or Flashpoint Paradox. This was, and it's working for me. I, I loved, I, I, I've loved every one of them. I that's, there, that's there hasn't good. been a real sour note. I mean, some are better than others, but yeah. No, uh, I've enjoyed them as well. Uh, which Throne of Atlantis did it come out or is it about to come out? It's very soon, very soon because uh, this think is it's gonna, still not out yet. Batman versus Robin will be coming out in April, I think. Uh, so it's about time for Throne of Atlantis if it has not yet come out. Um, Fox is interested in uh, Return of the X Files, which I actually am not super excited about because they're just going to revisit the same cast and. And David Duchovny looks a little bit like he's escaped from Madame Tussauds right now. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. It's all that Californication. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, uh, but they are, but they've heard they want, they want to do it. And then they just say, but you know, the sticking point right now is that they really haven't gotten a go from Chris Carter. And I'm thinking, if you're going to revive the X-Files, give it to Frank Spotnitz, mm-hmm. who was a writer there, who just did. And I think I know you watched as well the Man in the High Castle. We didn't yep. talk about last week, but I loved that pilot. I went out and voted. Did you vote for it? Not yet. You got to go on Amazon and vote for it. Okay, yeah. because I thought it was a great pilot. What a, what a terrific um, feel for it 
to go. I mean, and it's it's right out of what would happen in the book because it's the 30s, and then this is like 10 years later in the 40s. It's 40s. the 60s. So it's at the 60s. So it's, it's the 60s. That's right. That was right. I was doing the. Uh, it's, Don't. It's <laughs> it's two decades later. Yes. So you've had time for things to develop and settle down. Right. And but the the technology is all kind of nostalgic until you see something that's Nazi. Nazi influence, and that was just awesome. And it changes pieces of the plot, like little things like the. It's not a film in the book; it's actually a book that's that's out. You know, little things like that. Um, there's some alterations, but as of watching, because I did just uh, re-listen to it, I got it checked it out of the library like uh, on CD. Oh, um, I think like two years ago. So I'd read it in high school, and I read it again like maybe 15 years ago. And then I and then listened to it again a couple of years ago, and I thought, even though there are many changes to who the characters are and some of the relations, it still felt like it had all the major things that stuck out. It's like, well, I know where you got it from. It, it's both yeah. respectful and changing. And there was some complaint online. It's like, well, you know, it's like the characters kind of meandering. And I said, actually, if you listen to the book, and and this is the way Philip K. Dick novels go. They are meandering. It's yeah. it's about the concept. It's about the the environment that he's building, and they often and the novels end unsatisfactorily. And I'm going to say, or or ambiguously, yeah. is is a better way to put it. The Man in the High Castle was a novel that I first encountered and went, I am not satisfied by this ending. Yeah. But the more I I revisit and and time passes, I go, no, that's exactly the way the ending is, it should be. And because what are you? What is it supposed to do? There's no, you know, there's no heroism. But so they've changed. They've changed enough to make it playable as a, as a series. I don't know how long they intend to play it out if it gets if it gets to go to series. But I thought it was a very good. Uh, at least it's going to be a great miniseries if they get. To yeah, I was trying to, to read that, that in, into that myself because they, they called it the pilot for season one, which conceptually means multiple seasons potentially so yeah and who knows they the dome is going on for three seasons at least now um under the dome under the dome yeah, yeah. Like stephen king um i i got my copy of man on high castle when i was in middle school my uncle died and left me all his classical records and a lot of his books and that was a first edition paperback which is on my desk right now cool which i haven't read in years i've forgotten most more than i remember so well, and you'll and, and if That's you do reread it, you'll yeah. see you'll see it's like oh yeah, they're things are the same and yet they're different. Yeah, like the actual story of the man in the high castle. <laughs> um, so we also note that uh, in just a couple of weeks, Game of Thrones is going to have the last two episodes of last season shown in IMAX. I personally am not, and there's going to be a little and the trailer, and there's a trailer for, for the, the next, next season. season. So I'm I'm personally not super. I'm not trying to get into it because I do like it, but I think you're like you're coming in the middle of a story. And although that last episode was fantastic, yeah, I've already seen it. But I and I feel the same way about it as as much as it was cool that they were showing Doctor Who episodes in. Other than the one I hadn't seen, I I, I don't know if I want to pay to go to a movie to see a movie theater to see something I have already seen yeah. from TV. But. I'm up in the air as to whether I'll do it. If it if it works out for me time wise, I'll do it. If I have to move something, I'm not going to go. But uh, I'd I'd like to see. I mean, that's a big show. I mean, there's a lot. I think it'd be beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it'd be intriguing. But I'm I think I'm I, I'm more interested in. I want to see the next season of Game of Thrones. I want oh, that yeah. to start. Yeah. I don't know if I want to revisit the oh, last two episodes. Going to be so good. Yes. So um, 
I think we'll, we'll sort of like tease and, and pick up for next next week because I have I think there's more to talk about with uh, the Microsoft announcement this because this let's face it, Secret Wars was big enough for one episode. Yeah, Jay Hartlove was big enough for one episode. Windows 10 maybe, but more importantly, what are they calling Hollow Specs? The Hologlass uh, is what they were. Hologlass. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a platform. And, uh, well, it's their VR platform. And so we talked about it at the New Year's episode, uh, looking forward to Oculus Rift, and people are saying, well, maybe Microsoft's is better. And I think it's all going to... it's different, though. And I know it is, yeah. and I haven't had much of a chance to really explore that, and that's another reason to it's table... It's mirror shades, because man. I, because I have shades. experienced one firsthand. Yeah. I have not really gotten a chance to see what the other is, but what the description are similar and i think it's going to boil down to content but we need to spend a little more time talking about it in a, with time to debate sure so i'm going to skip so there. we'll do that later maybe not next issue next episode well if you can get us a chance to actually put a pair on huh mm. okay did you did you did you hear the story about where... I don't how, know where that sound came from. How they like, kept it a secret for... <laughs> they've been you're working Mango on Habanero so, came out for They've been working on it for years. They've been working with with it on for, with NASA on it. And they're saying, how did we keep it a secret? And they're saying, our development center is directly underneath where we are right now. And where they were broadcasting from was the visitor center in Redmond. So they're saying their their secret headquarters is under the visitor center in Redmond. Dude, I don't think that's funny. I think that's just uh, that's amazing. If that's true, that's awesome. It's a little scary. Yeah, um, but I do understand. All right, so we will talk about that later at a later podcast. Uh, you know, perhaps next week, perhaps a little later when we've really gotten more informed of it. Of course, why has that ever stopped us before? We'll see. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, you can always find us on iTunes. If you have found us on iTunes, then please rate us, uh, certainly review us, and subscribe. And tell your friends. You can also do the same on the Stitcher app. And you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com, where you may also find anything we've talked about on this podcast. If you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, your small business, please avail yourself of the Amazon link that is on the website. And it, we get a little bit of a, of a kickback there and that any purchase you make through that, and that helps to pay for the hosting of this podcast. You get a warm feeling when you do it, too. I do get That's a warm more, feeling. more than the money. I feel like I helped somebody get something they wanted. Yes. And uh, one and the other thing too is if you feel like you'd like to donate, you like listening to the podcast, and there's nothing you want from Amazon, uh, and you want to just make a direct donation to on the PayPal link that's there at www.fanboyplanet.com, we appreciate it. So we'll talk to you next week. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Nate Costa, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to. Use, Use your, powers your powers only, only for, for good. good. I never give up and I never surrender. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I, dot com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs> <laughs>
fanboy. I just think of it add a little polish to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I understood what you were. Yeah. Okay. And I think I, I still think trying to keep it a little shorter is good. Oh, yeah, I think it's fine too. There, I'm talking 15 seconds. 15 seconds yeah, maximum. Yeah. Probably more like 10. Okay, Nate. Yellow swallow. If I had a nickel. Oh time. God. <laughs> we killed him. Now I've killed him. I'm so sorry, Nate. Do you have something to Ready. drink to clear your mouth out? Yeah. Because we're both we're both sipping. Here, listen, listen. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. You're set? I'm ready. In three, two, one. Ooh. What the fuck was that? Is it Coco. Did Coco bark? Is <laughs> that Coco or is that a door slamming? Oh, that was, was sneezing. That was Coco sneezing? No, that was Tiffany sneezing. Oh. oh. It sounded like a dog barking or a door slamming. It sounded well, like, because it sounded we, like it was it you talking like, at the fir- at the same time. It sounded so. like like plates clattering together or something. To me. <laughs> oh, Derek okay. was the one who thought it sounded like the dog. All right, I at least I'll recognized start. it was a living thing. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, take two in three, two, one. Oh, I'm pointing at her, so she'll do it again. Listen <laughs> I up, knew fanboys. It's <laughs> the Fanboy Planet Podcast. No, you got to start over because I'll cut this in maybe later, but <laughs> try it again. Straight faced, professional. Three, two, one. Does that set? A good level, or do we need to? We're good. We're good. Have me talk louder, or no? I think that I think we're fine. Derek, let me hear you for a second. Sorry, I was texting Nate, so now I am in. I believe the closest to the position I would normally be. So I usually back off another six inches as you get more relaxed. But I'm okay. I'm not relaxed right now. I'm tense. As I said, I'm tense. As as you relax, you will get. I have a spicy Italian that's sort of like going through my system. He means, and I mean the sandwich. You. Ah. You okay. are what you eat, so I guess you're being very spicy. Not too. at all. I'm Portuguese. It's, uh, yeah. Big difference. Big difference. Okay. Uh, we are recording. So uh, what we're going to do is we'll cut you in later on the show. So Derek's just going to go to you as if we've already been talking about other stuff, and we'll right. come in, and then we'll say goodbye to you, and uh, that'll be the clean goodbye. You know, we'll probably – maybe five minutes and then we'll do an awkward actual friend saying goodbye yeah yeah yeah. thanks so uh good riddance all right yeah and then i clean everything up in post so so in one two three four go four four i thought you were a pro i this is uh this is me being relaxed